Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I'm joined today by Tony Marchese, Ron Luce, and a new addition, Patrick Comiskey. It's time to crack them and get caught up on your Blackhawks. Cheers, boys. Oh, cheers. How are we doing tonight? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, Hawks are looking somewhat decent. I think as of right now, we are, what, one point out of a playoff spot? That's correct. It's... uh. Not what we expected, but it is what we have. Uh, that's got to be feeling good. Ron, how are you? Pretty good, man. Uh, it's it's quite interesting that uh, you know we're we're sitting here right now, and I believe the situation is if the I believe the Wild lost tonight, which was good, and as long as the Abs lose to the Jets, I want to say I'd have to reread that, but uh, that puts the Hawks in playoff spot if they beat Detroit tomorrow night, guys. And let's be honest, if you go back to Circa episode six, uh, that was not at all in our vocabulary. And all of a sudden it is. So uh, what a world we live in and what a wild time. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, yeah, stuff, it, man. it is wild and it's good to be in the spot because winning is fun. Um, we all know that we all subscribe to that. Um, but before we get too far into this. Uh, we need to introduce our newest contributor and panelist. His name is Patrick Comiskey. He is a good friend of ours from via Twitter, but uh, we brought him on because he is a huge Blackhawks fan, huge White Sox fan. That's kind of how we caught wind of him. But then, uh, you know, as hockey season rolled around, uh, we figured we could use another voice, another uh, guy that can give us some differing takes. So, Patrick, welcome to Four Feathers. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh Glad to be here. Glad to be on with you guys. Talk a little pucks. We'll talk a little bit about last night's game. Uh, that was an ugly brand of hockey. It was also a pretty brand of hockey if you consider the Brinkett and the boys. But back on the DM, uh, a little work to do. That ain't going to fly in the playoffs, that's for sure. Yeah, so before we get too much into the substance of the games, can you just introduce yourself really quick, uh, tell them who you are, where you're from, um, all that, and uh, then we'll get to this past week of games. Yeah, that probably makes a little sense. Uh, yeah, my name is Patrick Comiskey. Uh, family, we've been season ticket holders since 2008 with the Blackhawks. Uh, that's kind of how I first got into hockey. Uh, you know, all those years where they weren't on TV, it was tough to do it. Um, but then I went to my first game and immediately, uh, you know, you kind of fall in love with it and been a big time fan ever since from, uh, I'm from Moments, Illinois. Chances are high. No one's heard of that. A uh, little small, small town. And I go to school at, uh, Illinois state university We're wrapping that up in the fall. Uh, like Johnny said, huge Sox fan, um, huge Hawks fan. Also a huge Bears fan. Uh, the Bulls are essentially dead to me at this point, but uh, we won't talk about that. Yeah, no, no need on that front. So, so one of the things that we did, uh, Patrick, on our pilot episode is we kind of went on a little bit of a round table, and we talked about you know who our favorite Hawk of all time was and what our uh, our favorite memory uh, from the Blackhawks are. You want to share those with uh, with some of the listeners? Yeah, uh, wow, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know what? I'll start with the favorite memory. Uh, I think that one's probably a little bit easier than narrowing down a player somehow. Uh, you know, we've been spoiled the last couple of years. Um, I would say my 
favorite memory. I've been to having having the season tickets. I've been to some really good playoff games over the years. Um, I've been to I went to the triple overtime uh, game against Boston. But uh, I think my favorite one was I went to the game four of the ten uh, Western Conference Finals when they swept San Jose, and I don't think I've ever been in a louder building like that game surpassed just energy level uh love level that game surpassed any other game i've ever been to it was nuts there there seemingly was an entire parking lot at the united center full of tv vans all you know nbc cbs they were all down there um the crowd was going nuts um it was one of the i think i want to say it was a sunday afternoon game so getting out of there at like three four in the afternoon was just awesome. The city was going nuts. Uh, I don't think anyone in their mind thought they were going to lose that cup final. So everyone was already ready to party. That would be my favorite memory was that game and that day. Uh, favorite player? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, a couple come to mind. I would probably go with Seabrook, honestly, um, especially with the hate that he's got coming his way now. That just makes me love him a little bit more because you got the meat. The meatballs get mad at him because Stan gave him the contract. Look, I don't like the contract either, but I love Seabrook. You know, there's a reason the A's on his chest on a team full of stars. You know, he, he's just, he's on another level than some of these other guys, you know, leadership-wise. They don't win. They sure as hell don't win three cups without him. I don't know that they win a cup without him. Now, you can say that about a lot of guys on the team, but, you know, Seabrook, he's just, he's, Seems like a regular dude, and he, he might be the most influential leader in that locker room. So I've always loved Seabrook. You know, there's other guys that come to mind. Uh, Adam Burrish, uh, Andrew Shaw. Uh, Kane would be a cliche answer, but how do you not love Kane? So, you know, but I would probably go with Seabrook. Yeah, that, that's, that's a solid answer. That's good because, uh, you know, Johnny and I, we, we met for lunch today. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, and one of the things that we talked about especially in the game last night. That's a good segue point. Uh, one of the things we talked about was the fact that the defense yesterday was complete horseshit. It was ugly. It was very ugly. Uh, and like Patrick kind of touched on, uh, interesting brand of hockey that was played last night at the UC. I would venture to say that that game doesn't look so ugly defensively if you had Brent Seabrook there to kind of anchor that defense and keep things a little bit more steady. I think that his presence was severely missed last night. I don't know what you guys have to say about that, but uh, yeah. No, I, I think you definitely saw the the lack of, of Seabrook. I mean, even the Seabrook in a much more reduced role than he used to be. Uh, obviously, he's not the top-pairing defenseman necessarily in terms of minutes that he used to be on a regular night-in, night-out basis. I think he can still give you top-two-pairing minutes for stretches. Um but even then, I mean, he's he's an upgrade right now over guys like Forsling and at least over guys like Gustafson defensively. Um, I mean, there's no denying what Gus has done on the offensive side of the puck, but uh, defensively, he's just been an absolute shit show in his own end. So uh, they certainly miss Seabrook, and I, I, I think that's going to be something uh, kind of a what-to-watch-for type thing over the next few games if he continues to miss games is how does this defense potentially even give guys like Cam Ward and Delia a chance? Because if we're being totally honest, a lot of those early goals were not Delia's fault. Um, I, that first goal in particular, I mean, that tic-tac-toe play was just a terrible defensive breakdown by the Hawks. So um, 
no, good point there. I, I think that I, I have to agree with you, Tony. I think if Seabrook's in there, it, it might not have, it still might not have been a pretty, but I don't think it's an 8-7 game. I think it's probably closer to like an 8-5 game um, in the end of it. Yeah, so we had seen earlier in the season, there was a game that he had missed because of an illness and same sort of deal. It's not like he would have himself, you know, made some ridiculous sprawling blocks that are preventing these goals or whatever, or, you know, some insane poke check that's breaking up a nice passing play. It's that he stabilizes the pairs. He allows guys to play with who they're best matched with. That is my biggest thing with Brent Seabrook on the ice. Sure, he's not the same skill guy that, you know, he had in uh, 2013 when he's, you know, firing home one-timers in overtime uh, for game winners. And it's not the same guy, but he still provides a very valuable element to that back end. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was going to hit on, uh, you know, it kind of takes everybody out of their, out of their spots. They're used to everyone kind of has to play up a spot or at least, you know, out of position with a different partner. Um, you know, I think an interesting thing, too, is just uh, with Seabrook on the ice, I think, you know, maybe some of those those younger defensemen might just feel a little bit more at ease with, uh, you know, some of the things he does out there. Just for instance, uh, when Campbell came into the game and he took about a solid 15 minutes to put his goalie mask on to slow the game down, you know, it's just those little things. Very true. Very, very true. And, and that's one of the other things. Have they filled that roster spot after who was it that got injured um, and they put him on IR? Because I know Crawford hasn't been there. Oh, yeah, they've, they've called up Sakura. Camp, yeah, they brought up Sakura. Yeah, they brought up Sakura yeah. when Camp went down. And I know they're still carrying enough defensemen, but I, I'm wondering if we do see Yoki Haru come back at any point in time this year. I'm, I'm really wondering if that's going to happen at all or if he's going to finish the year out at Rockford. Yeah, you know, I think we're, we'll probably touch on that in a little bit um, when we get to our trade deadline segment because if someone gets moved from that crowded blue line, that's where I could see an opportunity for him to come back up. So what we were just talking about there was that 8-7 win uh, last night against Ottawa. You know, like Patrick had mentioned before, very ugly uh, but pretty at the same time if you're looking at just the offensive end uh, brand of hockey there. Uh, we, we had a couple more games before that this weekend and we're kind of backtracking here, but, um, last Thursday night, they won five to two at New Jersey and then they lost five to two at home, um, against Columbus. Actually, both those games are home, but, uh, do you guys have any observations from either of those games that you wanted to point out before we move on? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead here. The five, two win versus New Jersey. You got to beat the teams that you can beat. Um, good win for them there. Not much observation outside of, you know, you come off that streak, you lose to Boston, you come back to, you, you play New Jersey. Um, good response, I think. Um, kind of a more expected win. The Columbus game, you got beat by the better by the better team. Um, kind of like I felt with the Boston game. We all know what this Hawks team is. Um, they're not a top, they're not a, a top tier team. They're scraping themselves into a playoff spot. Um, and they're going to get there by beating the teams that they they should beat. That's that's the path. Uh, you look at that strength of schedule, and I mean this kind of played out exactly how you'd see it: beat New Jersey, you can afford to lose to Columbus, then you go and you beat Ottawa. I mean that's when when you break it down, that's what they need to do. Um, you'd like to see a little bit more fight against some of these top tier teams. 
as of right now, I kind of look at them more of a first round exit team, but hey, they're they're winning the games that they should, and that's what that's what good teams actually do. Um, so that's what you like to see. I'd like to see that continue. Um, but I mean, th- this team has played uh, tough opponents well as well. So you look at some of these Nashville games, and they've played them very well this year. There was a Vegas game in there too. Yeah, there was a Vegas game in there too where they where they played them very well too. So you know, it's it's really weird when you go up against some of these Eastern Conference teams that are really really good. You kind of notice a little bit of a pattern there where where they're just able to to absolutely dominate us. So I, I think this was just a really good stretch of games. You know, coming off of that win streak, you, you kind of continued to carry that momentum forward. Um, even despite two of those losses in there. I, I just think that they went up against better opponents and they should have lost those games. Yeah, but I would like to quickly start off and say, I think I called the fact that they would take four out of six points. And you I did. think I called the exact wins too. I think I said they would lose to Columbus. Yeah. Not, to, not, not, to, not to pump my own ego here. But, no, you should. That's uh, what we're all about here. It's, uh, that's what we call <laughs> Nostro Ron. Hey, humble brag all you want, man. I mean, yeah, but I mean, geez, man, Ron, why aren't you betting on this stuff? If you're such an expert, I want I want to see a little little money thrown down on some of this stuff, Ron. I, I Come on, see, I want to see a little money thrown down on it too, because then my wallet would be a lot happier than it currently is. So um, there you go. I will get back to you on that, and we'll we'll start talking a little more about that. But Ronbets.com. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's going to be a whole blog and everything. <laughs> uh, um, you know, but I, I think taking it away from the games, I think the, the biggest thing I took away from the New Jersey game was the five unanswered goals. I think that's certainly worth noting. Uh, again, something we mentioned, you know, from early on in the season in numerous uh, episodes this this year so far, that this team would have quit after giving up two goals and going down 2-0. Uh, they go down 2-0, five unanswered. They get the 5-2 win against New Jersey in front of a in front of a UC home crowd on a Thursday night. Um, so it was certainly a big game. Obviously, New Jersey has struggled a little bit, and they were without Taylor Hall, but uh, a W is a W is a W is a W. So um, we're, we're always happy there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Columbus, Columbus is just such a good team. I feel like they don't get enough love for how good they truly are. Uh, they're, they're very deep. Obviously, that top line is unbelievable. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is secretly one of the best number one centers in the NHL right now. Uh, but between him, Atkinson, and Panarin, that, that line's dirty. Uh, and, you know, they have depth up and down that entire lineup. I mean, Alex Wenberg is a $4.9 million a year player and is your third-line center. So I think that should say uh, a little something about the depth that they have. They were clearly the better team. They're clearly the better team on paper, at least for this season, uh, especially when you look at that blue line, guys like Jones and Wierenski back there. Um, you know, you had a hunch they were they were probably going to take that game. And and I think Breadman had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he had himself a game. Um but then, yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, obviously last night's game, you know, getting a big win against the the worst team in the league, you got to win the games that you know you can win. And uh, although ugly and, you know, as we mentioned, the, the missing of, uh, you know, alternate captain Brent Seabrook, uh, I think they offensively they played great, <laughs> you know, defensively they weren't so hot. So, uh, but again, uh, W is a W is a W at this point in the season. And it's pretty remarkable that they, they, you know, are not even at 500 and yet they're hovering around a playoff spot right now. Uh, but to your point, Tony, you know, these Eastern conference teams that they match up against, it just goes to show really truly how good the Eastern conference is this year and how much better it is than the West, which is t- 
totally abnormal because in years past it's usually flip-flopped. So uh, I think the Hawks can take advantage of that, be a very average team, and somehow squeak into the playoffs. Um, you know, and playoffs. I mean, yeah, right. Playoffs. What we're talking about playoffs. I mean, it, it's. I, I may have lost for words, honestly, with this team this year. I feel like we all are to an extent. Like they've been so frustrating yet so enjoyable yet so. I f- I feel like this is the classic example of like a high school girlfriend. Can we just like, play the song "Roller Coaster" in the background as Ron's giving this little rant? Yes, just slightly faded in the background. Yeah, because think, think about to. it. You know, when you're when you're in high school and you're you're starting to experience dating and you're like, oh, I love this girl. She's so great. She's so awesome. And then she goes and talks to Timmy at three lockers down, and you're like, what the fuck, bitch? Why are you doing that? I hate you. You piss me off. Blah blah blah. And it just why'd like your Facebook status change? Yeah. Oh my God. Why did you change it to? It's complicated. We're not even fighting. Like, it's just it, that's literally the epitome of what this team does to me this year. And I, don't yeah, this know is like a bad high yeah. school romance. It really is. And Jesus. especially especially when you like add in the whole Coach Q firing at the beginning of the year. It's just like, ugh. It's like it's like being in a class with one of your best friends, and then you, like you, they have a schedule switch, and they're no longer in any of your classes, so you never see them ever again. God, these metaphors are actually working really well. But Patrick, I want to hear you chime in. Uh, let's get any if you have any observations or thoughts. Uh, it doesn't need to be anything extensive, but uh, anything from those uh, any of these games uh, over this past week. That's what says the last week of games in review. Yeah, so I just kind of I want to touch more so on the uh, New Jersey game because you know I think I think Columbus, like you guys said, he kind of he kind of got what you expected. And then to talk about Ron with the, uh, the high school girlfriend, you know. Saturday night, your ex, she came, she came into town and she loaded it up, you know, she got you in your feelings, uh, and you thought, and as soon as that game was over, you wanted to text her, you wanted to text her, yup, Panarin, are you up, because we need you, we're hurting, we've seen what you did to us, we, you know, it's okay, that's on us, but, you know, uh, yeah, but I will jump into the New Jersey game. Um, uh, you know, I thought that I think that game taught us, you know, who the Blackhawks are. The Blackhawks are an eight seed, a nine seed, a ten seed, nothing more. You know, they came out of the gates and looked like absolute dog shit. You know, I was sitting up in the up in the three hundred level watching that one, and I thought we were I thought we were in for a rough one. You know, they jumped right back in it. Um, good for them. But uh, you know, I think I think this gets me ready for the uh, for the for the stretch. You know, if we do make the playoffs, you're gonna go up against a juggernaut. You're you're getting Nashville or you're getting Winnipeg, and you never know. Maybe you catch them off guard. But it's it's probably gonna get ugly. So you know, I'm already starting to prepare myself for that letdown. You know, by then baseball season will be back, so I can just jump straight to that. But you know, I I'm you know I'm a Sox fan, so it's not like we're jumping back to a playoff team. We're jumping back to a 60 win team. So you know, things never really get better. But you know, you just move on to the next one. But yeah, the New Jersey game, I think it's, I think it was a little alarming. Uh, Cam Ward gave you a good one. Uh, and a little tidbit I just caught. 
New Jersey's goalie in this game, you know, Corey Schneider. He hasn't won a game this year, boys. So, you know, that's the guy that we got the best of, the team we got the best of. But you know what? Like Ron said, a win is a win. Um, you know, we're not we're not playing a lot of world beaters down the stretch, you know. Uh, yeah, and that's just my takeaway from it. You know, you can either sit and moan about it or you can just enjoy it for a little bit. At least they're not bottoming out. You know, they're a little more watchable this year as opposed to last year when they were just an absolute dumpster fire. So it's not so bad. It could be worse. Absolutely. First of all, I want to say thanks because you were at that Thursday game, um, but I was actually in your seats for the Monday game. So I just want to say thank you for those. Um, obviously not pretty uh, to watch that game, but you know, when you're at a game and you see uh, 15 goals combined, nine in the first period, uh, I mean, you're getting your money's worth. Um, uh, not that I had to pay. Thank you again for that. <laughs> but anyway, it's, you know, it's high entertainment value. So uh, it was fun to see that. And then the cat got a hat trick. So I got myself a nice new era hat, 30% off. Thank you, Alex, to bring it for that. But yeah, that's a good roundup of this past week games. So let's move on to uh, what, you know, Kane didn't waste any time last night. He's on this point streak. He uh, extended it to 18 games. Uh, with an assist early last night. He now has, guys, I was looking up the numbers before, 14 goals, 26 assists for 40 points during the streak. It started on January 3rd. It is just insane. You know, we had talked about it last week, Tony. We've talked about it the past two weeks. We could have a whole pa- podcast about Patrick Kane if we really wanted to. Um, so we don't need to like go into it too much, but it, I just had to throw those numbers out there because 40 points in 18 games, that's filthy that's ridiculous so i like how i like how patrick said that you know favorite hawks player it's really cliche to answer patrick kane it is because i mean the guy's just so good he is really so good at hockey and like like we've talked about man we're just spoiled i mean when when else are you gonna see another guy come out in 18 games and score 40 points it just doesn't happen very often um blessed is what we are to, to be able to witness Patrick Kane. Um, I really don't have anything else to say. I mean, this is just par for the course. It's just par for the course for the guy. I mean, just keep it rolling. And one of the reasons that we're even talking about playoffs is because Patrick Kane is on this roster. You know, one of the things that I said to somebody earlier today was that the best defenseman on the Hawks is Patrick Kane's offense. And I think that that really holds true in, in some of these games that we've seen because we're not out of any game when we've got Patrick Kane on the ice. Very yeah, true. Kane, Kaner's been unbelievable. I mean, I think, you know, I know we talk heavily about the 18-game point streak and the 40 points over that streak, which is just absolutely insane. But I really want to mention his 17-game assist streak uh, because his 17-game assist streak is not only now a Blackhawks record, which broke that of the all-great and late Stan Makita, may he rest in peace, um, but his his streak, I was just watching, I believe it was NHL Network the other day, they did a nice little side-by-side of the, the longest ever assist streaks in NHL history, and Patrick King currently sits third, all time. I'm going to crack him for Kaner. Crack him. I mean, but think about that. Uh, the, the the longest ever assist streak was Wayne Gretzky, and I want to say it was 23 games. At this pace, Kane could blow that out of the water. And it's crazy to think because it was such a different era when, when Gretzky played. 
it was such a different game. Guys that were that good were astronomically more dominant because the talent gap was so so wide. Now that talent gap is not nearly what it is minus your superstar players that are just on another echelon. And right now Patrick Kane is is in that spot. He's been unbelievable. It's literally I will tune into games. I don't care who they're playing. They could be going out there and playing the Winnipeg Jets, who nine times out of ten are probably going to beat them by three goals. But as long as Patrick Kane's playing, I need to tune in because, and even the casual hockey fans going to tune in because they're going to be like, "Wow, this dude's doing some crazy stuff. He's really good." And it's like, "Oh yeah, he's insane. He's a Hall of Famer." And I will bookmark it right now. He. He might be in the discussion right now, but only at age 30. He's going to be the greatest ever American-born player in NHL history when he's done playing. Um, so it's quite a treat seeing number 88 skate around the ice in a, uh Indian head jersey. I concur. Um, it, it, it's absolutely insane. Like I said, we could sit here and talk all day, but we need to keep this moving. Let's get to our favorite moment of the show. Roll the soundbite. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Yes, it's playoff time. Um, guys, Love that sound like We Love are it. currently sitting one point out of the wild cards spot, the final one in the Western Conference. Current standings, uh, Dallas is in that first spot. Minnesota's in that second spot with 60 points. And then we, us in Colorado, we are right there, 59 points each. Um, Colorado has a game in hand on us, but 59 points each there for those three, four spots. Uh, Vancouver's in the fifth with uh, 59 points as well. Arizona behind them, 57. And then Anaheim, Edmonton, L.A. kind of falling off on the bottom there. Yeah, I know we had hinted at it a little bit earlier, um, just talking about what kind of team this is, what to expect. You know, you're probably gearing up, like Patrick said, for that first round exit. But it's still exciting to be in this race. Uh, We haven't actually pulled through to that final spot yet. But when you look at it, we got Detroit tomorrow night. Um, there's a position here. And Ron had, you know, mentioned that situation of uh, who was it? The Wild helped us out tonight, and we need the Avs to lose too. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're right in it. We're right in that thing. So, uh, Patrick, let's le- let you lead this off, uh, the playoff picture outlook. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, you look at some of those teams that are sitting right there, and, you know, they're kind of, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of, you know, teams comparable to the Hawks. Like, do you look at any of those teams and be like, I'm scared of them? No. You know, if, if Winnipeg, if, you know, you know, Winnipeg and Nashville are sitting there, uh, they know they're going to be in those top two slots. And, um, I don't think any, I don't think they're looking at, I don't think they're looking at Minnesota or Colorado, um, Vancouver and being like, God, I hope they don't get in. You know, at the end of the day, the Hawks are still the Hawks. The team they don't want in is the Hawks because what did we just talk about? The Hawks have Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane is made for the playoffs. You know, he's a, when the lights get brighter, he plays better kind of guy, which is ridiculous because look at what he's doing right now. The lights ain't even that bright. Um, and he's still tearing up. Imagine what he's going to do in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, when we look at these next couple games, you got to beat Detroit tomorrow. Um, little tidbit, uh, I, I want to, I believe I've seen that Mike Tirico is calling that game. 
on NBC. There's something to get excited about. I'm a big Rico fan. I want to say that's his first uh, NHL game that he's ever doing. So that's something something a little different, something to get excited about. Um, and then, you know, the big test is you, you got Colorado coming into Chicago, too, and then you got Dallas as well. So far, they can kind of control their own de- destiny, get themselves in a the playoff spot, maybe even get a couple points if they're really going to make this push. You know, I don't want to say they got to get six points in these next three games, but you got to get four, maybe five, which, is, you know, it's doable. These are the teams that if you're going to, you know, asking to get six out of six points, you know, it's a lot. No matter who you play, they're all they're all professional teams. But uh, I hate to say it, but I feel like they got to get six. They're going for the playoffs. You got to do it. You got to beat these teams. You kind of hit everything there, Patrick. Um, points are at a premium. Yeah, points are at a premium. That's that's a that's a really good way to put it. And I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier with, you know, they're beating the teams that they should. And you look at that strength of schedule coming here towards the end and. Uh, you're in a really good position. There's really not much more that they need to do than execute to to get to where they need to be. Um, w- one of the teams that when I when I look at this playoff picture and and really look at an example of of what they need to do is they need to do what the Blues did, and they're kind of on that same path. Um, if you look back, the Blues were dog shit to start the year. Uh, nobody had them in 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 the playoff picture if you if you looked at this back like ron said sometime around episode six of four feathers uh we were kind of like just happy at the fact that the blues were worse than us um so it, it can be done you've watched those playoff chances just increase game by game by game um and and we've gotten a little bit of help i mean they've, they've caught a lot of breaks over the course of this stretch i mean you you look at teams like the wild that, that have struggled um, and really given us that, that a little bit of help. Like even when the Hawks lose, it just seems like we just catch those breaks. There's also just that swagger that we talked about around this team that they've really come into. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that when Quenville was fired and they brought in Colleton and we went on that terrible, what was it, eight-game losing streak, that they were going to turn it around. I mean, you you just... <laughs> It's a night and day different team than what they had before. One of the things that I'm a little concerned about is would you guys rather be going into the playoffs with Coach Q versus Colleton? I know that's a really stupid question to ask because, you know, the the past is the past at this point in time. But do the Blackhawks make that move if the Hawks were playing the way they are now earlier in the season? Because Doubtful. you gotta, you gotta wonder, no. you gotta wonder what they actually thought the trajectory for this year is, and and what they've put together on this run. I don't think it was expected by the front office. I, I really don't. I really don't think that they had any intentions, um, at least back in November, that they were going to be in a position to do this. So I just, I just wonder what you guys kind of think around that, um, that question there is. Is are the Hawks players like Patrick Kane that that core? Are they driving something that that the front office didn't even expect to happen? Well, I think I think what you're seeing happen right now is this team is starting to buy into a coach and a system. You know, I I think there was there was a lot of rumblings and nothing was confirmed, so it's all hearsay and speculation at this point. But you know, once upon a time, um, 
you know, we we were sitting here and we're like, well, is Coach Q's voice getting stale in in the locker room? And everybody's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, he was there for 10 years. I mean, you know, anytime you're in the same position for 10 years, it, it's kind of hard to to keep things fresh and keep things going, and especially in sports. So, you know, I, I think at the time they were like, okay, well, let's see, you know, we were kind of grooming Colleton to be the guy of the future anyway. You know, let's see how they respond. Maybe they'll generate some crazy playoff run. And sure enough, they did. And I think going into the playoffs, I'm I'm really not that concerned with Colleton behind the bench. Because I, I think a lot of people don't realize, and sure, it's a different league, and, and I, I won't discredit the talent level that there is in the NHL, but he took a, a Tier 2-level Sweden team and helped them win their league tournament to help them advance to the top tier in Sweden. I mean, he took this this franchise in Sweden that was kind of a, a doormat. You know, they were always just kind of meh. They were kind of there. They were always Tier 2, Tier 2, Tier 2. And finally, they got in and were able to play for a spot in Tier 1, and they, and they got there. And, you know, and I think a lot of that is credit to him. And I think you're seeing this team play like that now. They're going on these win streaks. They're playing well offensively. You know, they've, I mean, they're not great defensively still, but they've played better. I think he's he's found pairings that work. You know, I think the Murphy-Dahlstrom pairing works nicely. I think Keith and Seabrook being back together has actually been okay. I don't love the the Gus, you know, Cuckoo Perry, but Cuckoo hasn't been that bad. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been that bad. I think he's played a lot better than most people thought he would. And better than Jan Ruda. Oh yeah, Jan Pylon Ruda. Brandon Manning. Yeah, that guy too. Who uh, just got sent to the AHL by the way today uh, by the Edmonton Oilers. So, hey, um, is it really a surprise that that guy cleared waivers? I mean, is anybody surprised on that one here? No. Okay, good. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I thought, just I thought Sam might jump in there and, you know, put a claim in, but, you know, here you have bailed out once, so maybe you don't dabble it. That's really funny that you comment that because I think this was before you had, you had joined with us. I think there was something in the group chat where I had put in there where, like, Stan sees Brandon Manning on waivers and, and thinks about it for two seconds. <laughs> Yeah, because I think your I think your argument was like, oh yeah, you know we can get Brandon Manning back and Drake Kajula, so it's two for zero or something like that. Yeah, I was just f- screwing around. We we like to have a lot of uh, joke time in the group chat, so we we save the more serious discussion for here. Serious, if you want to call it that. We've we've had our moments to an extent. To an extent. Um, Patrick, you got any thoughts on uh, building on both Ron and Tony's take on uh, the push towards the playoffs? Yeah, um, you know, if we go back to the Q thing, um, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to discredit Q. You know, love the guy. Um, but that's not to sell Colin and short either. You know, he's obviously done a good job. There's no way in hell this team should be where they're at right now. Um, but they're just, they are dismantled on defense. You know, you realistically, if you wanted to make a serious playoff push, you'd be looking to bring in at least four defensemen. So, um, you know, what he's done is impressive, you know, taking that power play from dog shit to arguably the best in the league. Also impressive. You know, look how many people have tried over these last 10, 12 years to get this power play right. Guy after guy after guy, and no one can 
do it. You know, even when we were winning cups, the power play sucked. So, you know, it's impressive that he's coming pretty quickly got that power play good enough. Penalty kills is still god awful. Um, you know, it doesn't help that one of your supposed to be best penalty killers is usually the guy serving the penalty, Marcus Kruger. Um, and uh, now you got Steve Burke out with another guy down. So, but going, but going into the playoffs with Halton, I think it's interesting. I'm intrigued. We'll see. But he died. So there could be the aspect of, is the moment too big? Is he going to tense up? You know, what's he going to do? Because in the playoffs, you know, the matchups and the line pairings, all that, it becomes heightened. It becomes more and more important. Is he going to get the right guys on the ice? You know, in a PK situation, when you've got to win a draw, are you going to have two centers out there? You know, is he going to have all these things right? You know, we'll see. And I'm excited to see him uh, take that take that opportunity. You know, I hate to go say going into a playoff, there's margin for error. But there's kind of margin for error because this team ain't won in the cup. Um, I'd be happy taking, uh, taking Winnipeg or Nashville as game seven. We're not winning the cup. So, you know, this is just, this is, let's get to the playoffs to build experience for Carlton, to bring it, guys like that, you know. Um, and maybe even if you get in the playoffs, that's where it's still nice to have the core of guys who have three championship rings on their finger. You know, Colleton can lead on Brent Seabrook. He can lead on Keith, Patrick Kane, all these guys. So, you know, he's not going in blind. You know, he, he can, he's going to lean on these guys. He's a smart guy. Um, so I, I would like to still see Q in here, um, just in my heart of hearts, but, you know, Colleton, despite everything, has done really good. So I'm excited to see what he does in the playoffs. Yeah, Tony had brought up, you know, the point of getting experience for these guys. So it's obviously, you know, Colleton, that's another element that we bring into it because we didn't really talk about that before. Colleton needs playoff experience as well. I like that Ron brought up um, his time in the Sweden, uh, Swedish league. Uh, I think that is valuable. It's obviously not the same league. It's not the same skill level. It's not all that. But there is something to be said for bringing a team from lower ranks up through that, especially when you have to you know, win that championship to even advance to the next tier. Um, I think that's valuable. I get into the Q point. I, I'm same same as you, Tony and uh, Patrick. I, I you know I love Q. He, he's my guy. So in my heart, yeah, sure. I still wish he was here. But you got to give Colin credit where it's due. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, given that you know we sustain this pace and actually qualify for the playoffs. Um, for for myself and as vocal as I've been on you know the firing of of Quinville. I do I do need to give some credit to to Colleton, like you guys said. Um, the power play uh, has looked just absolutely phenomenal at times here, and we haven't seen that. Um, the lines that he's put together have been pretty consistent. Um, he's found something for for Kane and Taves and Kajula on that on that top line. I think that top line's looked as good as if not better than any top line that we've rolled over the past three years. Um, there, there's been a lot of things that Jeremy Carlton has done that, that have been good, but I think that the best thing that he's done is something that, that Patrick kind of mentioned, and that's lean on some of these veterans. And, um, you know, you got to give him credit for that. He, he's kind of almost kept his head so low in, in some of this stuff and let the team just be the team. And we didn't really see that out of Quenville. 
and I'm not the, the, the type of guy that's going to back down on my stance. They should have never let Quinville go. Uh, but if there's one thing I want to give Colleton credit for, it's it's the fact that this team has performed at the level that it has so far to even put us into this conversation right now. So um, like we've all said, winning is fun. And right now they've been doing a lot more winning than they have losing. So um, give credit where credit's due. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. You wrapped it up there perfectly. Uh, let's get to a word from our sponsor before we get to the end of our show. We're back. You're tuned in to episode 21 of the Four Feathers podcast. Time for some news and updates. David Camp still out with that foot injury. Should still be about two to three more weeks. Corey Crawford is practicing. He says he's ready, but he hasn't been officially cleared to return. And then a minor move was made just yesterday. Defenseman Darren Radish, who was playing in Rockford, he was traded to the New York Rangers in exchange for center Peter Holland. Um, Holland is 28 years old. He's a 6'2", 193-pound forward uh, centerman. He's got 20 goals and 29 assists. He's been playing for the AHL team uh, Hartford uh, in the Rangers system all season. So that's just a minor move. Uh, Ron, I think you had the slightest little bit of insight about that in our group chat. You just want to hit them with the quick facts on Peter Holland, basically tell them why this is uh, <laughs> null. Yeah. So Peter Holland um, has really bounced around in the NHL was a, was a prospect with a lot of promise once upon a time was a big center. Everybody was high on him and no, nothing ever really happened. He just kind of faded out. So uh, like I said, he's he's really bounced around, and uh, you know I would say to, to those that are like, well, why would they go out and do this? Rockford has really struggled scoring goals this year and has a lot of defensive depth. Uh, so this move is getting them a top. I believe he's a top ten AHL scorer currently. I think he sits in eighth right now in in the AHL in league scoring. And think of this as last year's D Domenico and Lotta moves. Uh, right before the deadline. They were just, we're going to get Rockford depth. Uh, we're going to let them try and go on their own playoff run. It just so happens that the Hawks are also going on their own as well. But, um, you know, so this is strictly just to give them more offense, give them more depth up front because they have so much depth on the back end. Uh, and this is also helping clear spots for guys like Ian Mitchell next year to probably play in Rockford. So um, there's certainly some probably foreshadowing to this move as well. Yeah, make a good point there. Um, I just wanted to bring up that Darren Radish was a guy that we had talked about in prospect reports earlier on in this season. And we kind of came to the consensus that he's the type of guy that'll have decent production at the AHL level, but will likely never make it, especially with all that depth, um, all those young blue liners, offensive minded guys that are on the way. So I, I really don't think the Hawks are losing too much by losing a Darren Radish there. So onto the deadline. Since this is technically a deadline move, it is less than a week away. Monday, February 25th is the official NHL trade deadline. Anything you guys have seen in this past week that uh, may have changed your mind? I know we talked about it extensively last week, but uh, let's just roll a round table here. And uh, Tony, you can kick us off. Um, I'm kind of on the same path that I was before, although I'm leaning a little bit more towards a buy here. Um, not in the traditional sense that we've seen Stan Bowman go when he when he goes and buys and gives up, you know, like a first round pick. But if you can if you can somehow get in the conversation where you're not mortgaging your future, I think that if you if you can somehow grab another defenseman, 
it's it's not a bad move if you're giving up maybe a second or third rounder. Um, yeah, I always go back to the fact that flags fly forever, or you know you can put something up in the rafters that says Stanley Cup champion. Um, that's always nice, and right now this team really isn't constructed like we talked about to make a deep run and Patrick, he he really hammered it in. This isn't a Stanley cup competing team. Um, it's more of a first round and, and get these guys some playoff experience. And, And I touched on that a little bit. I think it was last week or the week before with, you know, get these guys some experience. It's kind of like that Oh nine run where you, where you went into the playoffs and these guys really didn't know, what the playoffs were all about and they they kind of made something magical but it never really panned out they got beat by Detroit pretty pretty handedly um but with with that said if you can bring in a veteran who's also going to help these guys during that playoff run maybe make things a little bit more interesting um I'm all for it I just don't want to see a first round pick given up I also don't want to see like a Bacquist given up because you can't really mortgage this. A Yoki Haru is another guy that I'm not gonna want to see in, involved in a trade. You know, just don't give anybody who's young and has has some promise here. Um, I'm really okay if they stand pat and just kind of roll with what they have. I also think that there's an opportunity here for Stan Bowman to kind of really screw things up if he tries to go all in on something and move somebody. Um, and, and lately Stan's moves have been kind of calculated and good. So I don't want to see the Andrew Ladd deal all over again is basically what I'm, I'm getting at here is don't give me somebody who's going to play for this team for four weeks and just absolutely demolish, um, uh, our next draft and the draft after that. Um, so you know, I'm 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 more on the buy side, but it has to it has to be a home run. It ab- it absolutely has to be a home run. Um, with that said, if you have the opportunity to bring back Artemi Panarin and sign him to an extension, I am all for whatever it takes to get that deal done. Um, but outside of something like that, or a top four defenseman that's coming here, and we're going to have him long term, I'm for that as well. But outside of all that, standing pat, I think, is probably the smart thing to do. Um, I don't really think selling helps you in this position, especially when you're one point out of the playoffs. Uh, Going and making a drastic move, not what they need to do at this time. I'll move it on to Ron. Yeah, I think I I really stand pat with my, my analysis from the last time we discussed this because I... I would like to, if they're going to sell, sell from depth. So maybe sell an Artem Anisimov if somebody's really willing to overpay for him. Um, but more likely than not, he doesn't get traded until the off season. Uh, maybe sell one of these defensemen. Think a Gustav Forsling. Maybe a Slater Cuckoo. If somebody's really cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and wants to trade for him at the deadline. And dare I say maybe Augustafson if somebody's really willing to overpay. Peter Chiarelli's gone, guys. Just Ron, FYI. No, I know, I know. And I, But, I mean, teams get desperate at the deadline. This is my philosophy on why I don't think the Hawks should buy at this deadline because I don't think there's anybody at this deadline that they have the assets to truly go get without destroying their future. And 
really help them because let's be honest, they just put up eight goals last night. Do they really need more offense? Would more offense be nice? Sure. But defense is really where they need help. And I agree, Tony, if they can really go get a nice top four and maybe it involves giving up a, uh, a first round pick, not this coming draft, but the following draft. So the 20, 2020 draft, maybe, but more likely than not, that's not going to happen. There's just not enough guys out there right now that teams are willing to trade that really fit that mark for in season. I think they're going to be able to address this after season. So I would say stand pat, maybe sell just a couple of these smaller guys for little assets, you know, maybe a Gustav Forsling for like a, you know, pick and a prospect type package. Um, and just stand pat because this team as it is right now is playing well. And if you really want to take this run at the playoffs that they claim that they want, you should go in with the team that's been gelling of late. You don't want to destroy that too much right now, but it, it would almost be counterproductive to an extent to bring in somebody right now and potentially have to shake that up when guys have built chemistry with each other. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, too, on the last time we discussed, Dylan Strom was really kind of their acquisition at the deadline. They just did it months in advance. So uh, I think they're going to stand pat or just sell off a couple pieces. I really don't think they're going to be buyers. Uh, but to Tony, to your point, unless it totally makes sense and it's totally feasible, then I could see it happening. But I just don't know if those guys are available at this deadline. And that's just a product of how the market is. I don't think it's a product of the Hawks not trying to improve. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think Ron kind of echoed what I was going to say. Um, I don't want him to buy. Um, just for the standpoint of, you know, for one, for one, what are, what are you buying? Now, if you can make a move that's more so about next year, then that's fine. Um, but you got to watch what you're giving up. Because um, I don't want to disrupt you know, the defensemen that are coming up. You're probably looking at a draft pick um, somewhere in the middle of the first round, which, you know, the Hawks have traditionally drafted pretty well. Um, you know, they've had a couple blunders, but, you know, for the most part, they've drafted well. So I think you want to hold on to that pick that's going to be right there in the middle of the first round. You probably get yourself a pretty solid player there. And I, I don't want them to sell hard, but, like, if you can get someone – free you of Artem Anisimov, you, you make, you do that. I don't care if you're getting a seventh round pickback for Anisimov, do it. Um, at this point, I don't think you can be, I don't think you can be paying your third line center who traditionally can't buy a face off four and a half million a year. You just can't be doing it. And I like Anisimov. I think he, I think he brings good things to this team, but I think when you bring Strollman, that just ideally you got to kick an Eastmoth out because at some point you're going to have to pay Strollman, you're going to have to pay to bring it. And an Eastmoth at this point, he ain't bringing much to you. I know he plays on that second power play, but that second power play ain't doing much. The first unit don't score, or they ain't scoring on the power play. So I'd like to see an Eastmoth gone. If you can get someone to take him, take him. You know, that'll really help you going into free agency next year. You know, if you want to bring Panarin back, they have a lot of cap space, but if you're looking further down the road, they got to clear up more cap space. You're going to have to get an Eastmoth off the books. You might look to move Sod, maybe, um, because you're also going to want to maybe grab a defenseman. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying move stop this deadline, but you know, if you're looking to go into the offseason get Aaron, maybe that's something you consider. Um, but anyways, and then maybe maybe you clear up this log jam that's that defense. You have so many you have so many third pair defensemen on this team. That's what it's all made up of. That's why this defense is so bad. You know, outside of Keith, now just outside of Keith, these are all third pair defensemen. You know, maybe Murphy has the potential to play higher than that. Seaver can play higher than that, but on a good team at this point in his career, he's probably a third pair guy. Um, so you just kind of got to clear it up. And I'd also like it cleared up so you can bring Yoki Haru back and let him play, you know, at least top four minutes. Maybe you put him back with Keith at the three's head as most of us. So maybe if they can, if you can get someone to take Cuckoo, uh, you know, Cuckoo's been fine, but you're not going to miss him. Um, if, if you can get someone to take Forsling, I was high on Forsling when he first came up, but at this point, you know, it, it, it's been put up or shut up time for Forsling, and, you know, you just haven't gotten enough from him, so I don't think you'd miss him if you were gone. If you can salvage something to clear it up, let it go. But other than that, you know, I don't want any of the big guys sold off. But I don't want to I don't want to buy either. So at, at the end of the day, you're probably looking at staying Pat because I don't know, I, don't, I doubt there's anyone out there that's, that's thinking we really got to get a knee system off in here at four and a half under cap. But, you know, if you can get someone to do it, do it. But other than that, you know, you're probably looking at staying the path. Yeah, you guys pretty much covered everything that I was going to say. Only two thoughts on that. Forsling would be more movable if he wasn't injured earlier in the season. So I feel like it'll be a cuckoo literally just to clear up that space, just to clear up the defensive logjam that they've talked about. And those are my only thoughts on it. Time they're, to get cuckoo, some pros- they're cuckoo for cap space. They are. So, uh, prospect report, only a few hits this week. Um, Adam Boquist had himself a nice little week. Uh, he had a four-assist game at one point. Um, he's got 16 goals, 33 assists, 49 points through 43 games in the OHL for the London Knights. Uh, Nicholas Bodine, he is another assist machine. Uh, seven goals, 46 assists, for good for 53 points through 44 games in the QMJHL. And then Evan Barrett, uh, just noteworthy because he was leading Penn State in scoring. Um, He took a big hit on Friday. He didn't return to the game. He was scratched on Saturday versus Michigan State. And then he's questionable this weekend versus Wisconsin. Uh, He's got 15 goals, 22 assists, 37 points through 26 games for Penn State. Was their leading scorer really strong on the dot. So uh, hopefully Evan Barrett recovers. Um, It it was always a treat watching him. I tune into the Big Ten Network on Friday nights and watch some hockey there. So um, hopefully he gets better soon. It's nothing too serious. I don't know if it was... The, up that high on him, but either way, it uh, caused him some discomfort, and he's going to miss a little bit of time here. Time to get to the week ahead. Wednesday tonight, they are at Detroit, 6.30 p.m. Friday, back home versus Colorado at 6.30 p.m., and then Sunday at home versus Dallas. One of those great 2 o'clock starts. Uh, what are we looking forward to this week, boys? Tony? I'm looking forward to the Detroit game. Um, I don't know how many times I have to say this. Detroit sucks. Um, love that rivalry. We'll always love that rivalry. Just go beat Detroit. Um, that should be a, an easy win. Um, but uh, with that said, Colorado and Dallas, um, you got to go beat these guys. Uh, divisional opponents, all that jazz. Uh, Dallas is where, where you got to go get that win, I think, on Sunday. Um 
take two out of three here. That, that's I think that's what you need to do is go take two out of three, and uh, I think you've got yourself uh, probably in a playoff position if you take two out of three here. And uh, by the next time we record, we might be talking about a playoff contending team. So that's what I've got. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a l- little bit of a hot take, I guess. Um, I I know Tony's gonna enjoy this one. I think they can win all three games, and I think they should win all three games. Um, Detroit's dog shit. I mean, the Hawks beat them the last time they played. They're still gonna give them a hard time. I mean, all these teams are good enough. Um, but they should absolutely beat Detroit. Uh, they should also uh, 100% beat um, the Avalanche, who have really slipped of late, uh, if we're being completely honest. That team went from arguably one of the best teams in hockey early on to arguably one of the worst teams in hockey of late. Uh, it's been pretty much them and the Senators, and the only common denominator is Matt Duchesne, who, who's going to get traded this week. And then, yeah, to your point, that great 2 p.m. that really screws my Sunday up because it just feels weird when they play in the afternoon. But uh, Dallas, very good team, but a very, very winnable game for them. They're not that far behind, uh, you know, the lovely, lovely, lovely Dallas Stars and Mr. Sagan and Ben, who supposedly is hated by the owner now and they hate his contract and that team is just total disarray. So take advantage of it. They're going to win all three. They should win all three. Six points puts them way into the wild card talk. Um, and yeah, I think next week we're uh, we're discussing a playoff position. A playoffs uh, with our buddy Jim Moore over there. So that that is my thought on the upcoming games. But I'm probably most excited for Dallas just because it's the best opponent of the three they're going to play. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think you guys. I am too most excited for Detroit. Um, not really the rival anymore, but it's still my rival. So I'm always excited to play Detroit. Um, also, as I said earlier, I'm excited to listen to Rico call that game. Um, and I kind of hit on earlier saying that ideally they, I don't want to say they need to win, get six points in these three games, but it would help. I don't know if you guys have kind of dove deep into the schedule. It's kind of weak uh, moving ahead to that last week just the very last week of the schedule is rough. So you got you close out the last four games, you play Winnipeg, then you play St. Louis, then you play Dallas, and then you go into Nashville to close out the season. So you're looking at four tough ones right at the end of the year. Um, it wouldn't be realistic to win the last four when you're playing that level of team. So I think uh, when you have favorable games right here in the middle, you got to take two points because those the last four games are going to be tough. So you'd like to give yourself a little bit of cushion just preparing for that. But other than that, um, yeah, they're winnable games, and you got to go out and grab them. Absolutely. Uh, you guys pretty much hit all my points there. Um, I just want to say that we've had our way with Colorado this year, so uh, I'll, I'll take that middle game then as my look forward to. First of all, I like Friday night games. It's prime time. I'm going out. I'm having a couple of beers. I'm enjoying the game. Um, and like I said, we've had our way with Colorado. Uh, let's get after him. I, I like demoralizing that uh, Rontanen and Landis Skog, you know, that top line that was just so over the top and 
beautiful and sexy and everything was great. And NHL Network couldn't stop, you know, showing their highlights early in the season. Well, yeah, look where they've fallen off, right down the avalanche. Hey, Donnie, so, are you not having a couple of drinks on, like, a Monday night game? Yeah, you know what, I am. But, you know, something about the Friday night uh, atmosphere. It gets, I feel like the UC is a little bit livelier, too. I mean, I know, like, last night, you know, there's still a decent atmosphere, especially with all the goals. But it, it's... Uh, it's a little different. I, I like the energy on the Friday night, the weekend game. So hopefully that helps them get up a little more for it. Um, it, it can be easy to lull yourself to sleep at this point in the season. Some legs might be tired. So I, I like that little extra energy boost. He sounds yeah, like he's guys. on a full-on PR mode right here for like, I'm not, you know, like the, the Blackhawks games are more exciting on Friday night because everybody's, you know, I that you didn't even answer my question, man. You're not having you're not having the same amount of drinks on a Monday night start as you are on a Friday night start. I don't know about the same same amount. See, that might be different. But no, I still. I mean, I still am. Of course, I'm mean, having some beers. I'm having some beers recording this yeah, on no, a no, Tuesday was, night. So I just I, just, I yeah. had to I had to take the uh, take the in there. But uh, no, I I, yeah, take, I I agree with you. Take your dig where you can. Yeah, uh, Dallas. Uh, that one. Uh, that's probably the toughest opponent that you got to get up for. And that weird mid afternoon start uh, kind of throws things off. Uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we close this thing out? Only final thought is, have they really performed in those 2 o'clock starts this year? The Winter Classic comes to mind as an early game. And now that I actually kind of think about that, I'm a little bit worried about that one. But uh, other than that, I mean, I think, Ron, like you said, there's a there's a good potential to win all three. So let's go do it. Let's, let's talk about playoff hockey next time we record this podcast. Playoffs? Yeah, just... Just to quickly consider, um, and I'm going to quickly fact check myself so I don't sound like a total asshole, but I do believe the last time they played on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, it was against Detroit, and they beat them 5-2. Um, and That's checking correct. myself, that is correct. So um, I think they'll be okay. I think they they did, did well uh, last time it was at the UC. I think that's the common denominator. As long as it's home and truly at home, not at Notre Dame Stadium, I think they can get up for that afternoon start. So uh, I think that's going to be a big game. But, yeah, I agree, Tony. If they can get up for that one, that, that could be that could be the game that really tells us what kind of team they are going into this playoff stretch. Yeah, is that that, that 2 o'clock game? Are we looking at a 2 o'clock national television game here? Good question. Now, I did not look it, that up. It is a WGN game, so uh, I feel like that takes a little luck off of it. Um, you know, you don't get the great Doc Emmerich, but uh, yeah, I feel like I hate to say Patrick Kane always gets up for these afternoon games because he these days gets up for every single game. But, you know, he always seems to find a way to score a goal, get a couple points in those type of games. So... I mean, I think you can discount all outdoor games. We don't win those. You know, we know that. So, yeah, I think think it'll be fun. All right. That's all we got. That was episode 21 of the Four Feathers podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.